Welcome to the Modern Woodworkers Association, a podcast about woodworking from folk who woodwork. Woodworking is what we do, who we are, and what we like to talk about. So join us as we have a drink, sit around, and talk woodworking. Hi, and welcome to the 295th episode of the Modern Woodworkers Association podcast. I'm Kyle Barton of K. Barton Tools, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Diami Plotke of the Penultimate Woodshop and Sean Wisniewski of the Corner Workshop. Hi, guys. How are y'all doing? Good evening. Good. Good. Wait, it is. It's afternoon. It's, uh, it's 12.42. It's evening. Okay. Morning. 12.42. Sorry. No, yeah. okay. Maybe it's a morning. Yeah, so. It's morning for Kyle. It's afternoon yep. for us. If this is your evening, uh, the Blue Plate Special will be out soon. <laughs> Enjoy your retirement. <laughs> I will probably still be up in 12 hours, but I've been up for far uh, too long. It feels like the evening already. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. I hear you. You're crazy, man. You're you working are. way too much. Yeah, I, I had to wake up early this morning to make this. <laughs> like, I had to set the alarm at 9 and everything. Oh, oh man. I'd done two appointments and was in the office by 9 o'clock this morning. There you go. I woke up earlier, but I I set the disaster alarm just in case. (laughs) So, well, anyway, let's uh, let's uh, talk about since we last met. It's just us this time. Uh, We've had a bunch of guests in the past, a bunch of fantastic guests. But I thought it'd be uh, be appropriate for us to just uh, catch up on what we've been doing. So let's start off uh, with the. Yami moving his mic. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yami moving his mic. Yes. <laughs> go on. I wouldn't get, well, I know it's not me, and I didn't know if it's Sean or. No, Dan. it's me. There you go. There go. I got the cord. I'm wearing my headset I use at work, and I got the cord stuck on the mic boom. <laughs> <laughs> I've only been doing this for um, for 295 episodes, so you know yeah. I'm learning. Yeah. Okay, well, we'll we'll pay attention to see if we hear any gagging sounds. <laughs> Strangling. Yeah. Anyway, so with that, let's talk about what's going on in the woodworking community. So um, I want to start out, first of all, um, with some chair making stuff, of course. Um, all right. Eric uh, Canazaro, if I'm uh, pronouncing that right, which I'm probably not, um, has released some uh, tools and templates for the Brian Boggs ladderback chairs. And they're kind of interesting. He has um, uh, two tools that I'm interested in, which is a uh, square punch and a pin knife. And uh, the square punch you use to basically turn a round hole, as I understand it, turn a round hole into a start of a square hole so that when you put your uh, square peg in uh, to, you know, maybe lock in a, you know, for a ladder back chair where mm-hmm. you got the slats back there and they go into the arm post to lock those in uh, so you can uh, peg those. And so you use that square punch to basically turn a round hole into a square hole and mm-hmm. then you pound your um your uh, little piece of stock in there to pin it. And then he has what's called a pin knife. And you can use this pin knife to then uh, make the top of that peg into a nice diamond shape. And in fact, uh, um, on Instagram, um, Jeff Lefkowitz, he had a little demo of using the pin knife and it looks really sharp. So um, if you're into, you know, pegging joints and want to make that nice little pyramidal shape this might be something you want to check out and uh then also as a a lot of y'all have uh, noticed is that um uh, for charity uh jeff released uh some plans for the uh bog side chair and um i think they're still up there and it's a donation type thing okay Uh, 
So the plans are basically free, but he asks you to donate what you can, and then that goes to charity. And uh, as part of that, Eric came out with some templates uh, based off those plans for the box side chair. So you can go ahead and buy some templates if you're interested in building that chair, if you uh, purchased or donated to get a set of plans. So Okay. Now, I, I am, I'm not familiar with Eric, um, though I, I know certainly Brian and um – and Jeff, yeah, I'm assuming that Eric is well. Knowing how Brian is, I'm assuming that Eric has his blessing. Yes, to yes. make these things. <laughs> yes, they yes, are yes, uh, yes. mentioning the Vogue's name. Exactly, exactly, and uh, yeah, they has uh, Jeff and uh, um, Brian's blessing. I would assume, especially since Jeff is demonstrating using his tools. <laughs> right, right, and and J- Jeff is like the the quote unquote official teacher of the Brian Box chair, yeah. isn't he? Well, yeah, him and uh, David DeYard. Are, yeah, okay. they, both, they okay. both teach the Box chair, yeah. Well, before we move on, two observations about this is mm-hmm. you said you had your eye on two of the tools, the square punch and the pin knife. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To readers who are not on Eric's website, I'd just like to point out those are the only two tools on the website. Yes. Yes, besides the templates. Besides yes. the templates, yes. <laughs> um, but also, in looking at his chairs, um, I find them intriguing. I like yes. that. You like the, the purple Windsor? Makes it okay. Couple things is he makes traditional-ish looking Windsors with the little. Uh, you're the chairmaker, Kyle. What do you call yep. the little beads on the spindles and things that are the different color? You know, we're kind of in the middle of a of a. Oh yeah, a, he's just he's just uh well they're not they're not beads they're actually little little cutouts or little yeah they're little cutouts I I yeah little release right there you know where um. Oh, I don't know what you call them. I know how to make them. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. And he just highlights those with the different colors. Exactly. And it's a style that other people do. I'm not going to give him Mm -hmm. credit for doing it. um, And I'm not going to blame him for doing it, but it's hideous. Um, (laughs) It reminds me of the generic Windsors that were in my grandmother's house. And Mm. they're these kind of bulbous turnings that I don't really like. Um, Mm -hmm. But that being said, uh, you know, I'm I'm a New Yorker, so I'm going to be two-faced while talking about how I don't like... It's a style I don't like. He's done a really nice job of the style, so I don't mean that as a slight yeah. against him. But yeah, and, he's and got that these... is a traditional style of uh, painting. Exactly. Little release different color. But yeah. what I find really interesting is that he's got these otherwise what I see as very traditional Windsors that have slab seats, mm-hmm. and there are multiple chairs that share a slab as a seat. And in looking at the couple that are on the website, he seems to let the shape of the slab determine how they are. So there are two that kind of face each other. Like it's like a, I forget what this is. Conversation. A rubber seat? Yeah. Lover conversation seat chair. Conversation. Yeah. yeah. So you can cross your legs on each other. Yep. Yeah. That kind. And he's got two that are next to each other, but kind of curved in a little bit and two rockers that just seem parallel with each other, but next to each other. Mm-hmm. And, I think that's really interesting to do that yeah. kind of juxtaposition of of a slab. And at this point, a live edge is becoming a little overdone, I would venture to say. But letting the shape of the slab, not just leave the live edges, but yeah. letting the shape dictate the arrangement of the two chairs, yeah. I think mm-hmm. is really cool. Um, so yeah. I think this is pretty and on cool. Most, and most of those, there's not much of a live edge. It's just kind of connected. Um, yes, so, you're, you're absolutely yeah. right. Um, all of them have, have some amount of, of form work to the edge. Yeah. One that I'm looking at, has he's left it a little bit of a live edge, and the others are much, much reduced. So you're right. Yeah. It's, not, it's not really fair to call it a live edge per se, mm. but the form of the slab is clearly dictating the arrangement of the chairs relative to each other, since they all share the slab as a seat. Um, mm. 
It is fascinating. And yep. Now, what if you I look love all the way, if you look all the way down on his gallery, he actually has three chairs. They're all connected. Yeah, I'm looking at that one right now. And in that one, there seems to be no live edge. Like this, those seats no. are fully formed seats that just kind of bleed into each other as the grain runs through. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're at a they they're each at different angles to each other, and it, it really seems dictated by the shape of the slab. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that I love and could continue to talk about the um the fact that chairs live on a spectrum between form and comfort. Mm-hmm. And it strikes me that these are probably comfortable. The seats look sculpted, and I, I don't think they're uncomfortable chairs. But at the same time, I think that the their arrangement relative to each other is probably much more successful on some than on others based on the way the slab lays out. Mm-hmm. So I think they're probably more form than function. Um, mm. And to take a chair that, you know, the, the Windsor, while it can be of high high form, it is a truly functional chair and can easily ride off the other way into just common ver- chair vernacular. So I, I think this is fascinating. I like it. Yep. Yeah. Um, we'll uh, try to get him scheduled in as a, as a guest. I think he was or is currently being scheduled to teach at um, our, uh, 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 easy for me to say, Austin School of Furniture. I think oh, he's cool. Do oh, that'd be great. Chair class there. Um, I don't know where that stands now, of course, but I know um, he was scheduled for that. So anyway, but uh, yeah, yeah. So um, so he does have those tools as well, some fascinating <laughs> chairs. So, uh, uh, But yeah, you can see those. Uh, he, he's on Instagram, of course, um, and uh, you can see his gallery there at ericcanizaro.com. Uh, Spell that last name, C-A-N-N-I-Z-Z-A-R-O. Just like it sounds. Just like it sounds. Two mm-hmm. N's, two Z's. <laughs> so with that, um, I think, Sean, you noticed something out in the ether with uh, yeah. woodpeckers. Yeah, woodpeckers and their their continuous role of one-time tools. Um, got the email this week of their their Clampzilla Jr. And I, I had almost completely forgotten about the Clampzilla because that came out, <laughs> what, a year and a half, two years ago? Um, it just, whatever. What? But you forgot about that? I, I don't know. But it it's the, these are a little more manageable. Those things are gigantic. This uh-huh. one, you know, what do they have? A limit of like 20 inches or something like that. The full-size ones are for tabletops, aren't they? Uh, maybe. Yeah. Which yeah, seems I like an so. incredibly, I mean, I yes, I, it has a purpose. There is a there is a shop somewhere that that is a definite need. Mm-hmm. But this is this is down to like uh, cabinet doors, cutting boards. Yeah. Uh, Kyle, I don't know, maybe seat blanks. No, <gasps> I looked at it. It doesn't do thick enough. It only goes uh, one and a half inches thick. You foiled know. again. Yeah. Foiled again. Yeah, and I'd have to buy the. Uh, I couldn't work it with the junior. Probably the senior. So you'd have to get the bigger, and then that's yeah. way too big, right? And, and then that's way too big. It takes up the entire bench just to lay them down. Yeah. But, but I don't know. That's a. It's an interesting concept. How is this? Are are they unique in making these things? Is this well, a well, revolutionary idea? Hold well, on. Just before we get to a you want to explain what it what it is, Sean? Well, yeah. Basically, it's it's a it's a. Uh, parallel bars connected with hinges that have pads on them themselves. So as you tighten this thing all at at once, four in four directions, a glue up of say, uh, let's just say for easy purposes, like the first step of like an end grain cutting board, where you just have strips of wood laying next to each other and you're trying to make a blank out of them. You glue all of them, you lay them down, you you squeeze this thing down over the top. So now top to bottom, you're squeezed. And then as you tighten it, the two edges are forced together as well. So it co- creates a presumably perfectly flat glue up. Mm-hmm. And it, of, it, it applies pressure in all four dimensions around a panel. Yes. And all right. at the same time. So that right. in that way, that is 
it's fantastic yeah. for what it is because yeah. anytime you've glued up any more than two pieces or even two pieces and had to fight that seam from mm-hmm. popping to pe- between pe- parallel clamps or whatever, you know, that's why we parallel clamp in opposite directions, you know, to try to control some of that, mm-hmm. you know, push and, and give. Um, right. It's so that's the idea. It's it, but it's a little, you know, swing, you know. I don't even know what kind of handle that's called, but it's just like a swivel type little thing that you turn right. the screws and this whole thing just squeezes in at, at all at all spots at all times. It's it's yeah. it's cool. I just don't know if it's well. There, you know, what I found unique about this is there are other solutions out there that have been for years that kind of do this same thing, but one of the drawbacks to those have been actually putting getting your wood into the clamping device because it only raised up so far. These ones go. Full up 90 degrees, so it's easy mm. to place your wood into into the clamps. The other ones that I've seen that use, I don't know, they've been around for years, and I think Lee Valley even sells hardware where you can make your own out of wood. Mm-hmm. I know the one yeah. you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. But and, those, those the, the drawback to those is actually getting your wood, you know, getting the glue on the wood and getting it into the clamp without creating a, a complete mess. And this one, the way the top arm swings completely out of the way, 90 degrees, basically. Um, I think that's the unique thing there. That's the really whole, nice. Yeah. Um, they're, you know, it's woodpeckers. They are not cheap. Yeah, um, that, that's the that's downside is this thing but is not cheap. <laughs> if you're regularly making oh, yeah. um, would pay for it, tops yeah. or panels, it's going to make make it in a heartbeat. Like I know um, Guy from Guy's Woodshop is mm. working now in, in a place that makes tables. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and he talks about how they just crank out these massive big tables, a place like that to invest in a couple sets of the full size ones and now have all your tables come out in this. It, it's got to, it's got to pay for itself over the course of a handful of tables. I would think. Right. Yeah. I mean, there are, um, I know there are industrial things like this. Yeah, there's the some pneumatic yeah. Ken, Ken craft in here. Yeah. Like, you can go and just give them slabs, and they'll they'll glue them together. And it's a mm-hmm. it's an angled thing on a wall like an old cabinet shop would have that right. it's, like, right. pneumatically controlled, and you can adjust all the poles that hold and stuff. I mean, that, that exists. You know, a smaller portable home use or or small shop use kind of a, kind of a thing. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, a couple hundred dollars to get a, a fair set of them to, to work is a, it's a fair a, – investment but if you are in that you know if you're making whatever cabinets slabs or otherwise you know maybe uh maybe a thing to look at mm-hmm. and and the juniors while they have limited capacity like you said kyle you know it'd be great if they were just shorter but still had the height that they could squeeze two inches of material yeah you know then then you'd be in business but maybe there is a way you got reach out to to, to woodpecker see if they can get a one-off one-time tool for you <laughs> Yes, yes, I'm, I'm sure. It's just a slight <laughs> premium. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> sure. Why not? It doesn't hurt to ask. Oh, I'm sure there would. Well, well. next up, I wanted to talk about um, Ben Brunick. I don't know if y'all guys have heard of him. Um, I've heard of Chalkstone uh, Woodworks. met him. Yeah, I believe. Really, we shared really? a beer. Really, really. I, that somebody told me that he does a, he does a podcast with a t- couple of other guys. I've heard uh, such I, things. I I've only heard them on our podcast. I thought that was the podcast they were talking about. <laughs> Maybe it was. Maybe it was. But anyway, well, uh, we'll finish giving uh, Ben a hard time since he can't defend himself. But uh, <laughs> anyway, he came out with the L uh, tomato L fence. Um, so he's calling it the L tomato fence, but it's a uh, L fence for a table saw. Um, are y'all guys familiar with that? It, it kind of allows you to do some. Um, Use the the fence, and you got to see a video of it. It's basically pattern sawing 
for lack right. of a better no, word. No, I'm, I'm familiar with it. And you can do many other things with an Elfense, can't oh, yeah. you, other than just that pattern song, but yeah, that's yeah, a, a wonderful way to do it. Yeah, there's a bunch of techniques you can utilize, and I think um, Ben's putting out a bunch of videos showing uh, different techniques and how um, great the Elfense is. And I've wanted to build one for a long time, never have got around to it, but, I mean, he's charging um, – Basically sixty dollars for the uh, for the L fence without uh, match fit clamps. He's using the um, micro jig uh, match fit uh, dovetail clamps to actually lock the L fence to your standard table saw fence. And those are the clamps where if you if you route a dovetail into a piece of wood, the bottom of the clamp locks into that dovetail. So it just slides right. like so. You can make T track essentially by just routing routing dovetails. Exactly. Right, right. So, so with those clamps, um, so if you already have some of those clamps, which are very popular, fifty nine bucks, you got you an L fence. If you don't have the clamps, eighty nine dollars. So mm. just, just you know, thirty dollars more, which um, is basically cheaper than you can buy those clamps. Separately. Yeah, I was gonna say those clamps are not that in, not inexpensive. That seems really good. Yeah, hmm. I think I think the clamps are like I think they're on sale for like forty bucks or something like that. They do include a router bit, so I don't know if his includes the the router bit you need. But uh, regardless, you know, for eighty nine bucks, ninety bucks, you can get both the L fence and two of those clamps. So that's a great deal. Yeah, as long absolutely. as you're out of South Dakota, you'll get sales tax in South Dakota. It'll jack it up to six and a half. Yeah, six and a half sales tax. <laughs> Yeah, well, um, you know, uh, besides Ben, I don't know who else lives in South Dakota. Yeah, probably not many people. <laughs> yeah, I'm assuming he gives his family a discount anyway, so. There yeah, you go. I would think. Um, but uh, anyway, so if you are um, if you want to find out what an L-Fence is or want to check that out, go to uh, chalkstonewoodworking.com or chalkstone on uh, Instagram. And if you want to actually hear Ben chat about it, you could go to Woodworkers Podcast. Really? Wow. I've, I've, I've heard such things. Wow. Dang. I need to add that to my uh, playlist. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll, we'll quit giving those guys a hard time. Actually, actually, I do. I'm not caught up yet. But I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Um, so, any? Why is it called the El Tomato? Yeah, it's, it's a play on Ultimate. I'm guessing, and a, and probably a bad joke. That's that's my best guess. Yeah, I haven't caught up to where he the uh, the fence yet. <laughs> mm. <laughs> so I'm sure there's a story behind it, but. With that, so I was uh, looking at uh, MicroJig's website, and I noticed they have come out with a new and improved dovetail clamp. Um, I don't know what's so new and improved about it. It looks like um, I, it's called the dovetail clamp. you like me to tell you? It's got a spring on it where I'm thinking that the, uh, the pad doesn't rotate. And then they have this, what I thought was neat, is they have this nice little um, accessory pad that uh, fits onto the um, clamping pad. So it's, you know, you got a clamping pad and then you put this little accessory on there and it actually holds, it will actually allow the uh, clamp to uh, put pressure in two directions. Yeah, that's pretty slick. Yeah, it's, it is slick. The only problem is I looked at that and went, that is fantastic. Can I just buy that piece separately? No. I, but no, you can't. <laughs> and, it, and it's obviously just a shoe. You know it it's is. Just it's, it's just, it's just a, a shoe. It's just a shoe that fits over. Head. Yeah. Yeah, that's a better description than mine. It's a shoe. That you could probably uh, 3D print one. You probably could, but you know, it's probably made out of some squishy material. So I guess I guess you can 3D print squishy material. I, I'm not a not a 3D printer, as listeners might know, but yes. um, I'm sure you could buy squishy right filament. Don't you just, just yeah search squishy? Yeah. The X oh no, that's not what comes up when you search squishy. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Put safe search on, please. Yes. Yes. <laughs> 
Um, but uh, yeah, but it's it's not too bad. Um, now uh, they want thirty dollars for just one of these. Um, but but what does a non um, non AP dovetail clamp go for? It's not much cheaper, is it? It's like well, it's I think it's like forty bucks, but you get two of them. Oh, okay. Yeah, so this is like thirty bucks for one. Yeah. yeah, and you know it says it has the dovetail clamp AP, and then with the X pad attachment. So I'm hoping sometime soon they will sell that X pad attachment separately. Yeah. Because yeah, there's I, no, it's no major to the dovetail clamp itself. Yeah. Hmm. Because it looks like you could use that for other uh, F style clamps too. Just that attachment, if it would fit over your existing uh, pad, yeah, which I, I assume it would. I would it think. It looks fairly standard. Yeah, so I've got, <laughs> I've got Bessie, I've got Jet. I'm sure mm-hmm. those little, yeah. There's some difference between them, but not major. Yeah. Who knows? Or or go on to Thingiverse and find somebody that could print something like that and squishy. Yeah. Fill. But even by itself, if it has that spring where the pad doesn't rotate, that's pretty ingenious too. That is pretty slick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. I might have to pick up a couple of those just to (laughs) see how they are. So um, uh, moving right along. So just quick mention that uh, Laguna has a new lathe out. It's a uh, 1524, which means it has a uh, uh, 15-inch. Below the center, right? Yeah, you can. Well, you can. Or 7.5 below the center. Yeah, 7.5 below the center. You can turn a 15-inch bowl on it. And um, it has a length of 24 inches. And it kind of fills the gap between their uh, lower 12 by 16 uh, lathe and their uh, bigger 18 by 36 lathe. And I know a uh, a few folks that have the uh, 18 by 36 inch uh, Laguna lathe, and they absolutely love it. It has uh, has some interesting things. Um, well, I think they call pulse width modulation in these lathes that uh, make sure that it has sufficient torque when turning at low speed. So um, anyway, I just thought that was uh, might be of interest to some folks out there. They're looking, you know, maybe the big Laguna was a little bit too big, and they want some just a tad smaller. So um, uh, you might want to check that out. It sells for two thousand dollars, which is not and bad it, for, it looks for that size. Slick, yes. slick, black, yep. pink looking. Um, <laughs> but it's um, is it so? It's it's their Revo motor, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's their right. thing. Um, but it says it is it still? And I haven't used it up to date. My 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 lathe is a ten fourteen little jet thing, and it's super simple. Right. Um, so it has three pulleys that you change, and then it within those pulleys, then you've got variability. Right. Correct. Right. Okay. Correct. Yes. Yeah. And like I said, it has that that uh, pulse width modulation. Whatever. Yeah. Whatever that means. Whatever that means. But apparently, it just makes sure you have adequate torque at low speeds. But uh, like I said, all the folks that I know that have the uh, the bigger version, uh, the 1836, absolutely love it. So, mm-hmm. um, and it's a like you said, it's a nice looking lathe too. Mm-hmm. Really slick. So if you're in the in the market, check that out. Mm-hmm. And then um, last up for me that, uh, that piqued my interest around the Internet is a new hand tool manufacturer that at least it's new to me. I'm sure they've been around. I think they've been around since 2008, but they're called um, Petrograde Tools they are out of Russia. And uh, they make a lot of hand tools um, from molding planes to draw knives to scorps to all kinds of carving tools um, and knives and axes. And um, I haven't tried any of their tools, but what I've heard um, through the grapevine, so to speak, of Instagram is everyone seems to really like their tools. So um, 
it's a uh, you know it's something worth checking out. The ordering process is a little interesting, <laughs> to say the Get, least. <laughs> getting your bank to accept that you're paying someone in Russia might be interesting. Uh, no, well, what you do is you put all your, uh, from what I understand, is you put all your stuff in the cart and you go ahead and order it, but you don't uh, um, you don't give them any credit card information or any of that stuff. They will then contact you. And then that's when you uh, set up the method of payment and stuff. Do they do but, something like PayPal where you got some protection between you and them? N- I'm not sure. I think they may do PayPal. I believe so. But um, you anyway. just handed them cash, right? Yeah. yeah, exactly. I just hand them cash. I send them a cashier's check um, and <laughs> you know, we're, we're off and running. But no, I've you know, they've been around for for a while and a bunch of people over, you know, here in the U.S. as well as uh, overseas have dealt with them and have, um, like I said, they have some good good reviews on their tools and they're relatively um, inexpensive. Um, you know, uh, they're at a fair price, but a little bit less than you would you would think like uh, their Scorp is um, um, forty six dollars and fifty five cents, which is a really good price for a score, probably about half you would pay um, for some of the other manufacturers um, that are making them. And, um, you know, I don't know what shipping is going to be, but um, anyway, it's worth taking a look at. Mm. And, you know, especially, you know, they're uh, wood carving tools. They have a ton of those and they're constantly selling, uh, selling those and uh, posting about those hook knives, gouges, you name it. They have has the, has it arrived? Hmm. You, you I, no, I haven't ordered something from them. What'd you buy and has it come yet? <laughs> I have not bought anything from them yet. I oh. just, I'm just perusing their catalog. But, you know, a, a lot of people um, out there have uh, contacted me. They're DM me saying, hey, you know, where's a good place to uh, Scorps or one of the chair makers things? There's only a, a few quote unquote manufacturers of Scorps out there. So this is just a, a, a um, another avenue. They also have a lot of draw knives. So um and interesting draw knives for chair makers. Um, like I said, I haven't tried out any of their tools, but I'm, you know, I'll probably order some here in the near future. But um, you know, I know a lot of people from what I've seen are using their uh, wood carving tools. Also, they also sell adzes and uh, axes. So you know, just a good all around, um, you know, tool manufacturer. Apparently, you know, I did their about page. You know, they, I think they, you know, they have a little factory. I think they employ like. 18 or 20 folks making their tools. So, well, that's kind of cool. Yeah. You have to give us a report once it arrives. (laughs) I I sure will. I sure will. So with that, um, any, let's talk about what's in the shop. So Sean, what are you doing? So I I had a birthday in the last week. I think, am I, am I older than you now? Or are we the same age? Uh, what year were you born? 78. I am still older than you. Okay. Well, we are the same age now, but uh, I am still, but you're older than me. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, no, anyway, so uh, as part of, as part of uh, that, I went out and got a toolbox. Now, I've had the a, a small, like, top toolbox, you know, the kind that has the lid that lifts up on the top. You know, mm-hmm. I got it at Lowe's, God, 15 years ago, but forever it's just... I probably have had the same one. It's a little metal black box. Black box, angled yep. top, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I've had that sitting on a tote on the ground, so it's been roughly knee height for its entire life <laughs> and i've just i finally broke down and i got a rolling cabinet to put that thing on it's not okay. it's not a oh you have like one. the big one that that belongs to like a mechanics 
toolbox. No, it's I mean it's not big. It's it's uh, what did I say? It's like twenty six inches wide. Okay, see, mine's like fourteen. It has a handle. I can carry. Oh, okay, no, mine's mine's the bigger brother of that, but it's not the bigger one than that. This is like the okay. smallest of the shop size that you can okay. get. Okay, gotcha. As far yeah. as I know, and so the rolling cabinet is like five drawers. It's like. 30 inches high it's nothing nothing to write home about but um it does afford me more storage space which i i kind of desperately need because mm. working out of a shop made cabinet which has all my chisels and planes and and other things in them this thing has held a myriad between screwdrivers vice grips uh different adjustable pliers and tin snips and mm-hmm. other crap and it's just a a mess and and uh so i finally got this thing now the problem is that it's bigger than anything else i've got <laughs> in my small shop so it's currently in like the middle of my shop space that i recently cleaned out uh <laughs> as i'm going through it um right now i've got some old kitchen shelf liner that i'm putting in there that's got some padding in it because those damn metal shelves are noisy as hell every time mm. i slide something out right and, and metal slides on metal just, you could probably mm. use some squishy filament to, to... I could. I yeah. could. I've got this University of Michigan emblazoned uh, liner that we've had since we bought the house and never used. Wait, wait, wait. You have University points. of Michigan shelf liner? Yes. I don't okay. know why my wife got it, but we've never used it. Okay. It's just been sitting on a shelf in the basement forever. And uh, so she actually said, you know, we have that. I said, you know what? You're right. So I, I cut <laughs> one piece of it yesterday and put it down. And yeah, I think this will work. It's nice. Cool. Oh, so, yeah. More more shop storage. Once yeah. I I think I'm gonna have to eventually move my bench to give this a place to wheel back into, yeah. just to yep. reorganize the space a little bit. But. Yeah, what what I'm hearing a very similar to my setup. I have one of those two that's got a, like mm-hmm. a toolbox on a rolling cart that has like I don't know maybe mine's five drawers too. I can't think of it, but yeah, it's really really handy. Yeah, you, yeah, they're kind of cool. The the biggest one on the bottom is big enough to put like my my uh, drill bags. You know, mm-hmm. they came with the, the two pack of drills. You know, I've got two different ones of those, and I think my socket set can fit in there too. It's mm-hmm. a pretty, pretty big one, and like the, whatever the 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 um, the rollers on them can handle like 500 pounds, a thousand pounds, whatever. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna stand inside it and jump up and down. But uh, I did find out when I was lifting up that little toolbox to put on top of that. That thing was probably as heavy as the whole box itself. <laughs> the, new, the new empty box that thing's weighted down with a bunch of crap that now now the screwdrivers have their own drawer you know it's yes. got screwdrivers and clamps and things it's just you know what? okay the very first hand cut no the only hand cut mortises and tendons i've ever made mm-hmm. are for the divider i have it's in my uh screwdriver drawer mm-hmm. that i keep my screwdrivers in mm-hmm. and it's basically it's like an eye. If you turn the eye on the side and laid it down. So yeah. we've got a piece that runs the depth of the drawer on either end and one that cuts across the middle. Mm-hmm. And the one that cuts across the middle is tenoned into the, the ones on either <laughs> end with little two little stub tenons. Um, they're, they're through tenons, but they're you know, the whole thing is like a one by two. So they're right. these tiny two little tiny things on each one that go through. And it just stops my Phillips and straight blade screwdrivers from intermingling. Yeah. So I would highly recommend that as a project. All right. I can do that. I can do that. I've got little, I got scrap stuff that could fit in there. And all right, I'll do a little, I'll, maybe I'll do a, a, a half blind dovetail eye to, to split the tomb. Just step it up a notch. Yeah. And you know what you could do is peg it. Oh, there you go. Cause it's going to see a lot of stress. <laughs> That's right. It's going to see so much. 
Who knows? No. Also, what might glue work is a uh, hot glue and MDF. Uh, maybe, 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 maybe. There you go. Kyle, what do you got going on? Well, let's see. I've been um, refining my uh, lathe tinning jig. I don't know if y'all saw that. I posted mm-hmm. a couple of things on that. And uh, so I've been refining that. I'm up to Mark II version of my bases. And okay. um, and I'm going to do a little video on the construction of it. I think I mentioned these and mentioned uh, this jig in our last podcast. But basically, it's what I call uh, pattern turning. You basically have a pattern that you... Um, that you have this tower that holds your um, lathe tool in and you run this tower against your pattern and it will duplicate it. And in this case, I'm using it to do uh, taper tenons and straight uh, tenons. So it's the, the pattern is basically an angle and a straight piece. So mm-hmm. it's relatively simple. Um, but it's, it's the kind of thing where it's, it's simple in that it's an, it's a clean straight line. Right. But it needs to be that exact size or it doesn't work, right? Exactly. It okay. has to be dialed into the exact size that you need. And uh, and then what's great about this, instead of using you know your typical tenon cutters, is that when you take a leg or a stretcher off your lathe and put it in a tenon cutter, no matter how well you do it, you're going to be a little bit off center. And uh, this makes sure you're right in the... Uh, right in line you're in the um, center line of the uh, piece of wood when okay you do your tenon or your when you do your tenons um also i found it's a lot faster than using one of the tenon cutters so okay now so you, you know. say you're right in line that assumes that you've just that it's still on the lathe from yes. when you've turned it or are you able Correct. to reset it on the lathe and keep it exactly in the center yeah the way you would do this is rough everything out because uh this jig is just made to do final finishing cuts so you would rough everything out and then recheck it back into the lathe and yeah you know once you do that you already have your center points in there it's really easy to because the center points are there you can just reuse the center points yeah exactly okay could you use it the whole way um in in a way that the pattern would just be your stop that you could have the have the tool in that jig the entire time from a strict a strict cylinder and mm-hmm. as you as you worked it, eventually you would just you're, hit the stop you're, and stop. Yeah, you'd hit the stop and you'd be done. I mean, I guess that maybe it's a little more cumbersome. Maybe it takes a little too long to do it that way. But you would definitely never miss it. Yeah, yeah. Um, the only yeah the only problem is is you're using a scraping tool. So um, mm-hmm. the the reason I say you want to do finishing cuts, you could do the whole thing and just you know. Uh, keep going with it but uh because you're doing these scraping cuts with the carbide cutter it's just not pleasant <laughs> yeah yeah no i get you. a I lot get of you. fine dust gets thrown out where if you're using like a uh like a uh roughing gouge or a spindle gouge to uh rough everything in you know you it's you know you're making shavings you're not making dust so yeah. So, so that's that's why um if you're only if you're only turning tools are easy wood tools though that, you're, then, you're used to it anyway. Exactly, exactly. So, but uh, but no. So I've been refining that. So I came out with some new bases, and I'm gonna have a little. Like I said, I'm gonna put a post a video on how I made those. But now I'm turning my attention back to the tower unit. Um, a tower unit's fine, but my clamping mechanism to clamp the tool into the tower. I mentioned in my first video, I probably should have, uh, the way I have this is I have a cap piece that's on top of this tower and there's basically two screws that are pressing against a, basically a three eighths inch square piece of wood that then presses against the uh, tool to clamp Mm -hmm. it into place. 
Well, that wood um, is not working out. And I think I mentioned my first video, I probably should replace that with some metal. And uh, yeah, I need to do that. So, and I probably need to put some threaded um, um, threaded inserts in there and actually use machine screws to uh, clamp everything in place. So I ordered some um, 3 8 inch uh, key stock. So as soon as that comes in, I'm going to Modify my tower. <laughs> the tower's fine. It's just the clampy mechanism to hold the tool into place. I thought it was in there really solid, but uh, not so much. So um, I accidentally bumped it, uh, the handle, and uh, it did move slightly, but I really bumped it. So I don't know. But I figured, uh, let me try that. And so probably in a week or so, I'll have a new video on, you know, some improvements I made to the tower. But yeah, and I'm, I I know nothing about machining, but it, it's like you're making a similar to what a machinist would use as far as tool holding and, and you're exactly. Yeah, you know, that's, that's it. Yeah, I mean, when yeah. I was throwing this together, just to do proof of concept, uh, basically, I was just like, okay, what do I have on hand? All right, let's see if this works. Kind of did. Whoa, what? I that just got a, bunch, I got a bunch of feedback from yeah. somebody. I, I didn't hear it at all. <laughs> I heard it. Weird. Hmm. Um, Diami, you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> I hear it again. I'm I'm not moving at all. No, that, if I swing, I move my mic. Yeah, that's that it. That's really? it. Really? Wow. Yes. Okay. Sorry. You know, the okay. mic is the part of the whole thing that's designed to pick up the noise. <laughs> yeah, but it, I mean, I'm swiveling it on a a gantry arm. Like that's all I did. Weird. Um. Now, Kyle, these the the jig. So it's got you have a a, a stop that goes underneath that goes on the bed of the lathe underneath right. the, the turning piece that's mm -hmm. the pattern and then the actual jig is a base plate that rides against the stop a vertical post of some sort and it, the vertical post locks in a cutting tool and that's how you're following the pattern yeah. in the basic Correct. terms okay and are you just refining this so that you can make your tenons consistent or is this another thing you're going to add to the arsenal of toolmakers tools that you're mm -hmm. selling no, I'm just I'm just uh, refining it for my uh, for my own use. Um, it's not something I can make and sell just because all the dimensions of the jig are dependent upon your lathe. Sell lathes with so, it as a kit. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I could. Um, so really, when you're when you're actually you know constructing the jig and getting everything dialed in, um, you really need to you know have the lathe there to do it. So it's not really something I can whip together and, and uh, ship out and sell. Um, gotcha. So right now I'm just I'm just trying to refine it for my own uh, use and then put out some videos. So if anybody else is interested, uh, they won't have to. You know, hopefully they'll avoid some of the pitfalls I went through to uh, develop it. So anyway, so I'll, like I said, post that out there. And if, you know, people find it useful, then uh, they can do it. I, I find it extremely useful. Like I said, it's quick, it's accurate, and it's easy. So those are what I'm looking for. Lots to be said for that. Yeah. So um, let's see. Otherwise, I, I think a few podcasts ago, I mentioned uh, developing some sort of platform to put on my bench so that I could more easily uh, saddle seats. Mm -hmm. car seats and a uh, uh, friend of the show uh, David uh, Duyard um, saw that and contacted me and we had a nice little discussion um, about what he's using and he showed me uh, some of the things that um, that he's been using for the same thing and he's basically been uh, using a torsion box that he clamps onto his bench and I didn't even think about that and that makes so much sense because it would be so much lighter than what I was trying to do mm -hmm. so um, I just wanted to throw that out there if anybody else had some similar How, uh, thoughts that does make a lot of sense yeah. 
Um, mm-hmm. How how thick is it? You know, how much how much higher than your bench top are you trying to get? I'm trying to get probably a good three three to four inches higher. I would okay. say that than what it is, and a, a torsion box makes a lot of sense because if I were to do that, let's say using construction lumber laminated together or whatever, that that's going to end up being a pretty heavy piece of uh, of um, accessory to be moving around. So uh, torsion box makes a whole lot of sense. So, do um do you does it rather excuse me does it need a work holding ability? Um, I can use clamps, but I'm going to try to see what I can do. I did, um, buy one of those mechanics vice that, uh, you gave me a hard time about, and I'm going to see if there's a way I can actually mount that into my bench. Um, you know, basically you would put the mechanics vice onto a two by four and then put the two by four in your vice. Okay. So you'll have, yeah. And then I'm thinking about maybe I could design a torsion box around that. I don't know. Well, I'm, I'm just at the uh, thinking stage it, right now. <laughs> it, it it's the torsion box is unbelievably elegant and simple, and you can make it out of probably out of stuff you have, so it's, mm-hmm. it's cost effective. And I think it's a really good idea. But you've got um, Jeff Miller on fine woodworking. It's probably behind the paywall. Has plans from a decade ago for a benchtop bench mm-hmm. that end up with a double uh, twin screw vice in the front. Mm-hmm. Um, I made that for my dad for Father's Day years ago. It's a neat little thing. And who would the so bench it's kind of, So it's kind of like a modified Moxon vice type. Um, kind of, yes. Yeah. It, okay. Kind of. And Jorgensen's, Sorgensen's. What's the bench people? Mm-hmm. Sorgen. So yeah, Jorgensen. They make they make a commercially made one. It's basically a oh version. oh oh. You're talking. Uh, they're the clamp people. You're talking about yeah. the Swedish. Yeah, bench. the Swedish bench people. Yeah. Um, they make a bench top bench. Yeah. Yeah, which I've is seen that before. Yeah. it's it's a version of the one that um I don't know which you know if they're copied off each other or who's came first or whatever but you, mm. one's commercially available but the nice thing about them they add I mean if you're making your own you can make it however high you want yeah. um I have the commercially made one and it adds like five inches to the bench top something mm-hmm. like that but the top is on little legs so you can hook a clamp underneath the top it has a vice built into the front and. Mm. Um, the top has has dog holes in it, so you can yeah. actually use a hold fast. It's a, it's a pretty versatile thing. I don't know if it exactly suits your need, but yeah. but it's pretty versatile. Well, how heavy is it? Because it's something I want to move um, on and off the bench. It probably weighs about twenty five pounds. That's not too bad. It's not so bad. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I was thinking, you know, you know, I was thinking about, you know, trying to do some sort of torsion box around the mechanics vice, but I was also thinking about maybe I could just do the torsion box and, you know, adapt it to use like a moxin vice or something like mm-hmm. that. So that's another idea. But yeah, I'll look at Jeff Miller's stuff out there. And yeah, I know the, yeah, I can't think of the name of that Swedish bench maker anyway, but I know exactly what you're talking about and I've seen it before too. So I'll take a look at that too. Hmm, thanks. No problem. Or you could just get a pattern maker's vice, build a yeah. high bench for it. Yeah, I could get the high vice too, and <laughs> <laughs> all of that. I'll probably end up buying one of these days. Everyone seems to love them. I haven't played around with one yet. I need to you, you know what you got to do is when uh, when we're allowed to travel, um, maybe maybe uh, find woodworking live next year. You, we end up hooking up, and I'll show you mine because okay. they're they're not inexpensive, yeah. and I know people who have them are, and mm-hmm. are like, well. I don't use it because I make square things. Um, so it's not it's not for everybody, but if it's for yeah. you, it's fantastic. 
Yeah. Well, you know, um, what is it? The Gordon has that one yeah. out there that looks fantastic, too. It's not I a, looked at the Gordon and I said, yeah. I already have one. Yeah. The Gordon one looks beautiful, but is really expensive. Yes. it's. A little I don't pricey. need to change. And <laughs> having, having spent a little bit of time looking at the Gordon, I think it has pros and cons versus the traditional one. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I'm sure. Yeah. And I am not sure. I'm not sure if it actually... I think I might prefer a traditional one, I think, mm-hmm. but I, I don't know. But the reality is, even if whichever one is better, they're not different enough that it's worth switching if you already have one. Uh, right. I think that's clear. Yeah. Yeah. You're probably right there. Uh, so, but God's beautiful. Yes. Yes, it mm-hmm. is. It is. Um, so let's see. What else do I have going on? Reamer update. So I think I've <laughs> talked about on the show <laughs> about doing a um, fully metal um, six degree included angle reamer for chair making um mm-hmm. and because uh, 11 11 degree reamers are for fools I think. Exactly, yeah, exactly yeah well 11 degrees is okay 12 <laughs> degrees is a little little out there okay but um anyway so uh so i've actually put together a cad drawing of my uh reamer and uh sean the cad expert that he is is going to give my <laughs> uh give my model a once over and then i'm going to see if i can get it uh 3d printed now this would just be 3d printed in plastic so i can actually have something to hold and see okay. if you know it works and then if that works then hopefully i can get somebody to manufacture it and hopefully somebody luck local um you know i reached out to a bunch of uh grinding and machine shops around here a few months ago but um they were all busy with the um oil business, which is big in this part of Texas, and uh, really didn't have a lot of capacity to do a one-off. Now, I think they might have a little bit more capacity. (laughs) (laughs) A little bit. So, I might reach out to some... You know who you might want to reach out to, too? He's, I think he's underwater making his own stuff, but Tony Rouleau might be a nice resource since he does all the machining. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I hadn't hillside about that. W- wood and metal, hillside metal and wood. Hillside metal and wood, okay. Or oh. it might be wood and metal. I always screw up the order of it. He's a past uh, and friend of the podcast. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but he's a nice guy. Yeah. But he's make he started making his he he works in machine shop during the day. He does machining as a hobby at night, and he started making his own tools. He makes beautiful stuff. I got a tri square from him for my dad last year. Mm-hmm. Absolutely gorgeous stuff. And I think. He's making so much of his own stuff that he doesn't really have time to do one-off things for people. But if it was yeah. a production run, I, I don't know. I, I don't mean to say he could definitely help you out, but he would be a resource that I would talk to if I were you. Yeah, yeah. I'm probably going to do that. I might also uh, hit up Ron Hawk, too. At least mm. he can put me – he might not be able to do it, but maybe he knows somebody that could. Linda won't rest until she figures it out for you. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, and that's some of the pushback I've gotten from some of the local folks is like, okay, what do you want to make this out of? Well, I'd like to make it out of tool steel. And then they go, eh, you know, <laughs> it is hard to grind and, and do that in tool steel. So, you know, maybe uh, these folks can uh, can help me out. I'll definitely do that. So, and then um, lastly in the shop, I'm finally going to build some chairs. Hopefully starting this next week. So about time. Jeez. Yeah, I know. Ouch. I know. I got a bunch of blanks from all my demos. And I got a bunch of parts sitting around and just need to get them all put together. Actually, I do need to turn some legs for the chairs, but I have spindles and all that kind of stuff. So you might see me posting um, some actual chair building coming up soon. So I'm excited about that. Excellent. Yes. So, Diami, um, by the way, our main topic today is going to be smooth moves. But <laughs> before we get into that, 
we'll Damn it, now I gotta pay Ben. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we gotta give him a buck or something. But um, we'll let Dami, Diami tell us what's in the, in his shop, and that will probably just dovetail into smooth moves. All right. Segment. So, um, so I've been back to work on the entertainment center. Um, mm-hmm. you know, with the current uh, situation of the world, my time at work has actually increased, but. All of my scouting activities have fallen to almost nothing, mm. um, so that has freed up some evenings and a little bit of weekend time. So I've I've had some time in the shop, and I've been working on the entertainment center. Uh, so to keep up on the entertainment center, the top had a bunch of voids. I coated the whole thing in epoxy one more time. I sanded it all back. I still had a couple of voids. So rather than coat the whole thing, I just mixed up some dyed epoxy. I used a toothpick and I kind of, you know, got a little bit on the toothpick and dropped it into the dots and left them all proud. So it was all these little dimples across the top. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that idea. I should have been doing that much earlier because it it was so much nicer than sanding the whole thing off. Right. Um, but in looking at it, I thought... Um, Matt Berger, formerly of Fine Woodworking and friend of the podcast, and mm-hmm. he has his uh, he has a book on trailers, I think, and a book on he just released a book on his family. If you follow him on the social media, he just put out his third book. But his first book was a book on skateboards. Um, right. It's a great book. I am not a skateboarder, but making skateboards is pretty darn cool and not that hard. Um, I had a lot of fun making the skateboard I made out of the book, and it was really easy to follow. So I would highly recommend the book. But anyway, one of the tips he gives in the book is that you can use just a regular utility knife razor blade as a scraper. Mm-hmm. So I was started to use that to scrape down the epoxy, but the epoxy is hard and it's not that big. And he's talking about doing it when you're like taking these veneers and putting them together and you get some glue out and stuff. So right. I think this was a little bit more scraping than what he uses the razor blade for. So I ultimately pulled out, I have a, just a regular Lee Nielsen scraper. I don't mm-hmm. know. It's, it's just average. I could not tell you if it's thick or thin or stiff or soft or whatever, but it's just a, it's just the scraper I have. So mm-hmm. um, I use that and I was able to scrape, scrape them down pretty easily. It takes me about a minute per dollop of epoxy and you have um, how many hundred um well i did uh i have about 180 because i spent about an hour on it and did about a third of them so okay. somewhere in the ballpark of 180 200 dollops and it's leaving a nice finish i mean it's leaving a, a scraped finish so i think when i'm done with all the epoxy i'm going to go over the whole thing right now it's sanded to like a 50 grit it, the top is coarse as anything and the timber strand is soft, and it's just—it's not a—it's not a pleasant um, surface. It needs a lot of prep before I can start finishing it. So I think I'm going to go over the whole thing with the sc- with the card scraper once I got the epoxy off, and then I'll I'll do some sanding after that. But I'm thinking that that'll from the card scraper. I think I can start at 80 grit instead of 50 grit, and it'll just be nicer, and mm-hmm. um, and it should make for sanding. So that's where I'm in the entertainment center. But as I said, I spent about an hour scraping off this epoxy, and then decided. Um, I would move on to other things. Right. So, um, so what did you actually move on to? Well, I finished up moving on to um, crap. I did a third rack? thing, and I was trying to go to my third thing before my second thing, and I don't remember what the third thing was. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I did get into my second thing, and okay, so for to to peel back the curtain for our dear listeners, we're recording this on a Saturday afternoon, and I find myself at my desk at work. So I'm using the chat headset that I use for the myriad of Teams and Skype and Zoom calls I take these days at work. So having this chat headset at at my desk that I'm using on a daily basis, it dawned on me that 
I have a almost done headphone rack at home. Exactly. Now, for years in the making. Years in the making, yes. And yes. I, I, I have two of them, and one of them was at about 90% finished, and one of them was about 30% finished. And I don't know if I how much of this I've shared, but I was going to what I what I realized I was going to do was take the two of them and combine them together and make them into like a like a banana stand kind of thing with a little base that would go on a counter and it would a post to come up and you'd be able to hang two headphones on one on either side. Mm-hmm. Um, that makes sense. And the people I was going to give that to for reasons that are not relevant now, I decided I wasn't going to give it to anymore. Um, so I had the two of them and I still think I'm going to give one away. But it was like I don't need to make them into two anymore. I can go back to them being individual things. I can just I can use one myself. Mm-hmm. So. I uh, I did. It was finally sanded, but it was probably six months, a year since I last touched it. Mm-hmm. So what I did was I, I wrapped it in cardboard and I clamped it in my pattern maker's vice. Yes, <laughs> as you do. As you do. Exactly. And I used my router and I routed out this little recess on the bottom because I needed a way to mount it to the wall. Right. Um. So what I had, I went through my, I have a little toolbox that's it's something like a tackle box that's filled with like picture hanging stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I had, it's like a little metal French cleat kind of clip I got from Lee Valley years ago. Yeah. And it's, it's like three fingers and the middle finger is, is bent. So it's in a different plane than the side two ones. So I yeah, each respect the piece. The, those, yeah. yeah. The side ones get screwed in, the middle one sticks out and they kind of, they, they lock mm-hmm. into each other. It slides, slides on each other. So yeah. I figure that's what I'm going to use. So I, I recess out this little square in the bottom of it yep. to, so I can sit that in and it'll, it'll hang flush against the wall. Mm-hmm. And that went very well. I take it out. I, I just went over it with uh 220 sandpaper again, just to kind of clean it all up and make sure it was all, all good and clean. I picked up all these little number four screws I needed to put this all together. I found mollies that'll go into the wall. That'll take a number six screw so I can screw mm-hmm. this thing and the screw heads aren't too big. So I picked up all this little hardware I needed. Um, yep. For our listeners, we're now moving into the smooth moves topic. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was gonna, I was gonna shellac it, and um, I managed. We well on the last podcast, we talked about uh, ye of little faith, not believing I would get all my shellac regiment done. Yeah, yeah, I think mm-hmm. I had the over and, under on the shellac at a year. <laughs> yeah, I think I ended up with eleven coats. I'm not a. Yes. I'd, I'd have to go back to my list, but it was something like that. It was, it was plenty of shellac, and it was beautiful. I yes. loved it. Um, I actually, when I was all done with shellac, I waxed it. Of course. Um, I want, I want the listeners to pick up on the, the subtle past tense to what Yami's saying. Go on. Well, I'm not still (laughs) waxing it, Sean. Okay. No, you said you loved it. Yeah. Go on. Go on. Um, so I, I had it hung on, uh, on the, on the, the mount. Okay. And so, so did it actually hold some headphones for a brief? It's, it's never seen headphones. Okay. Never. Um, so it's these these again like sliding kind of like a French cleat kind of hooks yeah. if you imagine them like that. So I've got the one screwed to the back of the headphone rack, and I've got the other one with some some little tiny little number four screws sticking through it, and they're slid together. And I'm holding the number four screws that are now sticking out the back, and I'm kind of and I'm shooting a quick little video for that goddamn social media network. Exactly. Um, <laughs> and as I'm kind of sh- moving it in my hands and showing it. Mm-hmm. I just tipped it to the wrong angle, and the French cleat action s- slid itself apart, and it fell to the ground underneath the um, the entertainment center slab. So I couldn't actually see it when it fell. Like I saw that it fell behind it, and I didn't see it hit the ground. Mm-hmm. And if you, it's still on my Instagram feed. You can you can see the little video of it. And it, it, it was, it's a classic. Cla- it was it kind is, of yeah. like that uh, the April Fool's episode of yeah. Reclaimed Audio, yeah. where they don't if- become. 
jerks until the very end. I don't know if um, we're both too young for this, but um, ABC Wild World of Sports back in the day used to mm-hmm. have the thrill of victory in the agony of defeat. <laughs> and this is perfect because you have both of those in a short 30-second clip. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's, it, it covers the breadth of emotion in that 30 seconds. Um, but once I put the phone down and I looked over the edge, um, well, let me backtrack. So anyone who hasn't seen it, it looks kind of like it's this organic, it's a rounded rectangle on the wall, and it's this organic thing that kind of comes out and comes up in like, it looks like two alien antennas that come up. Mm-hmm. And they stick out off the wall eh, five to six inches. And it's not years of work on it, but it's probably it's probably 20 hours of work over three years. Right. And from the minute I began, it was more of an experiment in shaping and organic shapes and power carving and just playing with it for enjoyment as opposed to, I really need to make this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll say that it wasn't even necessarily intended to be a headphone rack until it was glued up. And I said, oh, I, that's what I could do with that. Um, so I took scraps of wood that I had in my shop. So it's a piece of maple, a piece of walnut, and a piece of purple heart glued together, which I'll be the first to tell you, on the basis of wood color, it's not the prettiest thing. And that's Oh, fine. it's lovely. Don't, don't <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, it's purple, actually been in production oh, so long, the purple heart is turning brown. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but the way it was glued together, it was three. They were like probably six quarter each. Maybe one was four and one was eight, but they were all relatively thick pieces mm-hmm. and they were flat sawn panels and they were face glued. So all the grain ran vertically in this piece with two antennas that came out horizontally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so these antenna shapes were really, really short grain. Yes. yes. Um, which yep. I understood and yep. was a risk I, I took on and I was always careful of it when I was standing and stuff. And it wasn't at their narrowest. They were probably three eighths of an inch in diameter, something like mm-hmm. that, maybe a little more. Um, but you know, I'm just, the headphones don't weigh anything and I wasn't going to beat it. So I, I thought it's not best practice, but it would be fine. Um, well, when it hit the ground, it was not fine. Mm-hmm. And both of my little antennae, uh, snapped off. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So how many pieces? Like just three I pieces? I ended up with three the pieces. Body and- uh, the body and the two antenna tips. Now, and it, the antennas re- broke in slightly different spots, but they both broke roughly halfway down. Was it a clean break or? It broke along the along the grain. So right. like it fits together like a jigsaw puzzle in that regard. So you can, um, it, can you strengthen it? it with some toothpicks drilled into? Okay. So, so that's what happened. Let me. Okay. I, I will respond to both your comments. Um, so I cursed and I picked the pieces up and I put them on the, on the entertainment center and I walked out of the garage and I didn't go in the garage for like three days. I was just so angry. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I, this headset's closed. I just pulled the cord out. (laughs) Um, So then I thought to myself, you know, can I put some sort of a spline or a reinforcement in there? Um, I know that the, the little, um, insect kind of spider like, um, sculptures that, Oh, I can see her face. I can't think of her name. You know who I'm talking about? No. Inset spider-like sculptures. Oh, yes. Um, Groot. Yes, DeGroot. Yeah. Right. yeah. Rebecca DeGroot. She makes these okay. really cool yeah. turned little um, yeah. anatomical mm-hmm. things. Yeah, I know who you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. yeah. So when we talked with her, she talked about making the legs, and she cuts these little splines. And I think the spline is really nothing more than like a veneer, but it just slides into the two 
the two legs at, a, at like a knuckle joint and it holds them together. Now, they're mm-hmm. still very delicate things, but it gives it enough strength that the glue joint doesn't come apart. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking maybe I could cut a spline in it. Maybe I could drill it out and put a dowel or a toothpick in between the two. Mm-hmm. But what I realized is that this thing is completely organically shaped. They're at yeah. odd angles. They're at different angles. The, they're angles in two dimensions relative to the only flat surface on the whole thing, which is the back. Mm-hmm. Um, so I realized that, you know, to, to drill two holes or to drill a mating hole in each piece that when it's gl- assembled would create a straight line that I could put something in. I don't even want to think about that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I opted not to. It certainly would have added some strength to it. Um, but I, at this point in the process, I thought that was way too much work. Okay. Well, so can, can you, so go ahead, go ahead. I well, might, might have a solution. What I did was I, I just took some um, type on one mm-hmm. and I took a toothpick and I dipped the toothpick in the type on and rubbed it on the little jagged edge. That's, you know, where it snapped along the grain. Mm-hmm. And I, I put one of them on and I used blue tape as a clamp and all things been equal. I should have made a call mm-hmm. because again, it's this weird angle. And even with the blue tape, I was not able to get good pressure on it. Mm-hmm. So I had what I thought was a failure of a glue up and mm-hmm. I was a little disgusted by that. And I was like, all right. And I, again, just left in the shop for like a week that time, just wrapped in blue tape and one of them glued on the other one I've done nothing with yet. Mm-hmm. Um, to my surprise, when I took it off, it seemed it's first of all it's it's glued on and it's stuck and it's as strong as it was when we started. Um, mm-hmm. There's a little bit of glue, of glue squeeze out that I need to clean up and I'll need to refinish it. But all things being equal, it's good. Mm-hmm. Um, until I scrape the glue, it seems to be just the teeniest of glue lines. And because it's an organic glue line that follows the pattern of the grain, I think it'll disappear. Mm-hmm. Now it's kind of covered in glue squeeze out. So when I get the glue squeeze out and I really look at it, are there little gaps? Probably. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've decided that for the purposes of this thing and the journey I've taken with it, I'm not going to bother trying to hide any, any resulting glue lines that are visible when it's all done. I'm mm-hmm. going to scrape off the glue squeeze out, figure out what I need to do to refinish it. Um, and, and go from there and glue the other one on. And with the other one, I'll probably do something a little bit more in terms of a call but getting glue at the right – getting clamping pressure perpendicular to the brake is a pain in the ass because of the angles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, could you use CA glue? And... I could if I had any. Okay. Um, I thought about that. I have yeah. like – I have crazy glue, but I know like – I don't really know if there's much difference between that and some of the woodworking CA glues. No. Uh, but I, a... I don't have any. The, the woodworking CA yeah. glues, they, they crystallize and they go bad after a while. So yeah. I, I don't no. have any right now. Yeah. Um, uh, Ben had a post on that. Um, you know, he's doing all that luthier type stuff Yeah. and, uh, that a bunch of luthier said, yeah, use the crazy glue. It's the same stuff. And it comes in those little small packets. So you okay. Then, then I may very well do the next one in crazy yeah. glue. Yeah. Yeah. What I was thinking is from the back of the piece, you said the, the back of it's flat, of course. Yes. Is there a way to take a drill and drill from the back all the way up into the antennae? And then put a long dowel in from the back. Like even now that it's glued in place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. once it's glued together. Yeah, yeah. yeah. First of all, it would have to be glued together because it would have to be held held together. Um, Is it? uh, I mean, you have to freehand drill it. Yeah, I I would be nervous because, again, it does come to that tiny little thing. In theory, it makes complete sense. Mm -hmm. But I would be nervous of drilling a hole, having the drill bit come through. Okay. 
And if yeah. I don't line the angle up just perfectly, that's yeah. what would happen. Well, I think if you're just putting headphones on it, and uh, I think you should be fine. I think yeah. I think I will. I if, if I hadn't dropped it, I think it yeah. would not have mm-hmm. broken, and it would hold the weight of the headphones just now, fine. Yeah. The trauma of do, the fall if, isn't nearly yeah. you know, what you're going to yeah. be intended to yeah, Exactly. Yeah, no, yeah. clearly I should not have dropped it. And um, if you do have some gaps, what you could do is put in some colored epoxy, maybe some dark colored <laughs> epoxy in the little <laughs> gaps, or you could go and get some like turquoise colored epoxy or something you know, like that and really I, give it some bling. I could, but the the issue I'm having too is not only is it finished, it's, it's finished with shellac. Yeah. I understand shellac sticks to shellac. No big deal. Yeah. But I literally had just waxed it. So mm-hmm. I, I, I'm weeks behind on my podcast listening because I'm not driving that much for work anymore. I'm falling further and further behind as time goes on right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I actually sent in a question to our good friends over at Chop Talk Live. Um, and Ben responded with, a, you know, he was disappointed that I, it had broken um, and didn't say whether or not they were going to answer it. So I presume it may very well get answered and may have already been answered on their podcast if I was, uh, <laughs> if I was up to date on my listening. Well, I haven't heard um, it yet, but I haven't listened to the latest one. Yeah. So yeah. I, hopefully, is, is it as simple as like some DNA alcohol? I, I, I'm sure it's not rocket science to look up what I need to do to remove the wax. But whatever uh, that is, spirits. I have to do Minerals, it. Mineral spirits. Yeah. So is that going to yeah. now mess up my shellac? Um, mess it up? Remove it, maybe? Yeah. So uh, Yeah. I'd say, I don't, I, I'm not sure how mineral spirits uh, would do. But I think uh, regardless, you're going to have to put another couple of coats of shellac oh. on. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, but what yeah. I don't want is the additional shellac to fail because there's a layer of wax be- in between them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But but I think if you just use some mineral spirits, uh, you know, um, put some wax on the back of it and then use mineral spirits to uh, take it off and see if it affects the shellac or not. I don't have shellac on the back. It's unfinished. So I'll have to shellac something first. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I do. But no, I get your point. Yeah. 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 I don't think it would, but. You know, if, if worse comes to worse, then, uh, you know, use mineral spirits to take the wax off and then uh, use some uh, denatured alcohol to uh, take the shellac off and then just refinish it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, <laughs> that. Yeah. So my over under for a year is is still, still <laughs> standing. <laughs> That's why I ask if it had held. I thought you were betting on how many coats of, shell- of finish I would get on it, not no, no, when no, it would be done. No, because when, when, when you were saying, you were like, yeah, I'm, I've got this many and we're gonna, I'm, this should be done soon. And he goes, yeah, yeah really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the next thing we see is this thing cascading off yeah. and an expletive being screamed across all uh, social media. And that's why I ask if it ever held headphones, because if it had, you could <laughs> say it was done and functional. But since it hasn't. I'm still in the running. Still alive. Yes. <laughs> and now well, it's no, a much I'm, worse thing of the repair. No, I, you know, as you're saying that, I have I have an ice cream scoop handle that I made out of a cutoff of an end grain cutting board, and so it's okay. all all species, very similar actually, all species yeah. of of maple, purple heart, and walnut. I think is in it in stripes, mm-hmm. but they they're stripes going down the handle. Well, I gave it to my brother and sister in law, and it came back a year later, snapped in half. Yeah, and I went. Mm, but the same kind of thing. Like it, it's not or, it's not organic in, in this in the way. It, it's a handle that's been turned to have some contours for your hand. But otherwise, it's it's a rough cylinder. But even yeah. that, I've been like, I don't. I want to. I, I don't just want to glue it back together. And I this has been sitting in my bench for years. Um, but I want to strengthen it in some way that yes doesn't take away from the already you know colorful look of it without putting a stark line where it broke. Um, but 
I, I've, I've toyed around with what it would take, as Kyle suggested, to drill a line or thing through. But for me to get to the snap joint, I'd, I'm like two inches into it at that point. Yeah. And yeah. that's a long – It's time. a long way to keep that at just the right angle. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Which, I mean, I've got a brace and bit. I could take it really slow. <laughs> but yeah. – uh, yeah, that's um, or and have a bit long enough too. I mean, just to get yeah. it there, I gotta kiss it and then eh, just getting something lined up. Cause yeah, I, I, if I could just get an eighth inch dowel in there, I would be much happier. If only you had a boring jig that could give you a consistent oh, angle. Oh man, <laughs> you are so right. Oh, one of the, the thousand and one unintended uses of the boring jig. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Right. Yeah, you could clamp that thing in your in uh, Dion could clamp it in his pattern maker's vise and use a boring jig just to go exactly. If I put it in a box and mail it to you, can you do that? Because I, <laughs> I I I appreciate that the boring jig would maintain the angle once I'd figured it out. Right. But I don't trust my ability to figure out the angle. <laughs> understood. Understood. Yeah, but but I think uh, I think you're right, Sean. It's all the short grain stuff. You just can't get around it, and it's no, it's gonna yeah. bite you in the butt. You know, I was looking at. Uh, uh, Aspen um, Golan um, is making these spoons that uh, very. I don't know if you've seen some of her posts, but they're very delicate, ornate, mm-hmm. just cool looking uh, uh, spoons. And uh, they do have different types of wood, but they're all long grain, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, but uh, that kind of reminded me of that when you when you mentioned it. But yeah, it's yeah. There's no way of getting around short grain. It'll no, bite uh, you in the butt. It's just not. Meant. It's funny you mentioned the. Um, the scoop. Another mm-hmm. thing that's sitting in the shop waiting to be made is I have a bottle opener kit. That's mm-hmm. the same kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But I want to I want to power carve the handle, and I'm trying to come up with what the handle should be. And what I what it dawned on me is I think I'm going to make the handle the shape of a banana. Mm. Mm. I think that'd just be an an interesting shape to power carve. Sure. Yeah, but, that could work. Yeah. Anywho. Anywho. Mm. So, well, we can move on to uh, some other smooth moves, if, if unless you have more to say, Diani. No, no, that's where uh, that's where that stands. Oh, uh, you know what the other thing is? I'm building oh, a shed. You do? Okay. Yeah, that was the third thing. I knew okay. there was a third project I was working on. Is I have to finish the the drafting of the shed, and I have to knock down and rebuild our garden shed. Yeah, oh, I haven't man. I haven't moved on mine any. I've I've looked at. I, I, what kind of foundation are you putting on it, or do you have? A uh, I'm reusing my old foundation. Okay. So uh, I'm kind of cheating in that regard. But what I'm actually going to do is I'm going to roughly double the size of it. Mm-hmm. And the extension will have different doors and not be connected inside. It'll have one – the walls will be the same and have one roof over them, but there's going to be a wall between them. Right. So it'll be like bikes and lawn stuff. and Anyway, but the extension is just going to be like a pole barn kind of construction. Mm-hmm. So it's not going to have a foundation. It's going to have two posts that put in and a gravel floor. Uh, okay. That oh, okay. Sense. Cool. Cool. Well, good luck with that. But anyway, so if anyone hadn't, hasn't seen uh, Diami's Instagram post of the uh, headphone rack failure, I highly yeah, it's recommend o- it's, it. It's only two posts down right now because yeah. I have not posted much. Yeah, it's 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 classic. I mean, when I saw it, I was just yeah, that's like, what I think of it. Classic. Holy crap! Well, except I didn't say crap. Mm-hmm. And then about <laughs> then about I'm sorry, Diami. Then about 30 seconds later, I started laughing. But. <laughs> <laughs> took me about a week but <laughs> yeah i know but um it's like oh man like i said the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat mm-hmm. but speaking of the agony of defeat um my smooth move is how not to clean your saw blades clean your, okay what type of saw blades are you cleaning table saw blades. Okay. so um i years ago i bought one of those rockler kits that comes with mm-hmm. the circular thing and um, i know it well 
Yeah. And I've used that for years and I was, and uh, a few years ago I went, you know, I don't, I think the, the uh, solution, whatever it is, some citrus based solution is losing its potency. Mm-hmm. And I went, well, why don't I just try simple green? So I put simple green in there, full strength. Full, that was going to be my question. Full strength, okay. Full, full strength, simple green, you know, left my saw blade in there for, you know, a couple hours, came back. Oh, man, it did a fantastic job. So How many teeth did you fall off? None, none. Mm. So, oh. Was, what, what, oh, what kind of blade is this? Is Diablo? Uh, a, we, uh, well, that's a, that's very important. It's one of the Freud fusion blades, you know, okay. the red okay. red um, coated Freud fusion blades. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, uh, about a couple of months ago when I was buying some saw blades, I – had my Freud combo blade out there and I've had it sharpened three or four times. I was like, you know, should I buy a new one or should I send this out to get resharpened? And, um, I noticed that Freud has sale on their combo blades, you know, it's like 20 bucks off what they normally cost. So I went, well, I'll just buy a new one and then I'll have this one as a backup. And so I bought a new one and I used it a couple of times. I needed to clean it. So I go, okay, I'll put it in the simple green uh, solution. And, um, I forgot about it. Got about it for three days. Hmm. Went, went, and uh, went. Oh crap! So I uh, opened, uh, opened the little container back up, took the saw blade up, and the simple green had eaten through the red coating. Wow! <laughs> Does that matter? I don't think it matters. It works fine, but it was just like, you know, this red, um, you know, coating that's supposed to, you know, make the blade, uh, you know, not build up heat and go through the wood. It is like uh, off in chunks. And now my new combo blade looks worse than my old one. <laughs> I mean, but looks, looks and, but it, but it and having, fine. yeah, yeah it works, the teeth, teeth and everything are cleaned. Yeah. That's but, uh, so I, I guess the, the lesson to be learned is uh, if you do clean your saw blades, don't just leave them in that solution. Whatever solution you're using, don't leave them in there for three or four days. But, <laughs> I think but that I could just, be said for a lot of cleaners, a lot yeah, of solvents, a lot of – yeah. Yeah, but Simple Green is supposed to be you know a nice, uh, safe, non-toxic finish. Well, apparently full strength it will eat through just about anything. Yeah, it's not as non-toxic as you'd think. It's less toxic than other stuff. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But – it's all toxicity is a relative term. <laughs> <that way. laughs> so anyway, um, any other smooth moves out there? Uh, let me think. Uh, any rockets go down? No, nothing, nothing waiting. You know, cause you mentioned, you mentioned epoxy and, and Kyle actually mentioned epoxy and, uh, on fixing your, your clan or your headphone. Right. Um, I'm, I'm to the point, I actually need to mix some epoxy, but I'm making sure that I'm equitable with my mixing of epoxy because I've got a five to one, the West epoxy. Mm-hmm. And that's my only thing is I'm, I'm, I've been putting this off for literally more than a week. I need to apply some epoxy, but I, I hate making too much and then just letting uh, half the, you know, this quarter inch of stuff in the bottom of a cup. Just, I make too much all the time. Yeah. Good. And it's whatever, but I'm running low and I'm like, eh. So I've got like three different things right up next to each other that need to i just need to do the time well it's do you need do you need um does it need to be a long set epoxy to do it or do you need something that's quick set or what it it has to be thickened um i need a little more working time than what a mm. five or ten minute epoxy does and i need a little more volume than actually i have um i have a like a four ounce i think the two part um i think it's just loctite um, mm-hmm. 10 minute epoxy that might be enough but that stuff gets gummy in a few minutes and i might need a little longer than that so i mean i the stuff i've got and i thicken it with silica right um it 
it does take a long time. I've got a working time of over an hour, which is mm-hmm. arguably too much. Okay. Um, I'd need like a working time of like a half hour in my mind. Like, okay. You know, that's it. It's all like, and I, and I'm not racing to finish it. So that's fine. But, um, I think I'm okay with, with what I've got to do, the, the, I won't be wasting too, too much. I just, I'm, I hate doing that. I mean, and that being said, I bought this epoxy eight years ago, you know, and it's, 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 at the absolute edge of its shelf life, it's. It might be just be time to break out and get more, but. I know, I know, I know. And then I'm toying with like now what's new since I bought that. Like I want to try Total Boat you know, and, and all the other guys that are out there, and the one to one or two to one instead of a five to one mix. I've know. got I've got the Total Boat. I know last time I talked about it, which might have been two episodes ago, I was anxious because I hadn't used it in over a year. Mm-hmm. Um, but the pumps were were still primed i mixed up one test thing it set up no problem i i have had no issue using it i think i think it's a three to one but honestly i don't okay. know I, don't, I, lost, I, I could look it up i'd have to go home and, and look it up but i've lost prime in the pumps on mine a couple times and that's okay a, that and it's fine you can take them apart and clean out the screws and there's just end, ends up being a little slug at the bottom that's getting in the way in the spring yeah and mm. you know it's it i can get past it but um yeah i'm 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 very close to be you know in the market to a little bit more and then knowing it's yep. going to last me three or five years past that. Well, um, for for epoxy, I've been using. Uh, I need some quick set, you know, five minute type epoxy for some of the jigs I'm doing. And um, I've been using the stick fast high strength epoxy, and I've really, I really, really, really like it. Is that one of the little I, like dual tube ones? Yeah, yeah, it's like a fifty okay. fifty mix, and uh, I really like it. It's much better, you know, as far. For strength, I think it's a little bit stronger than West Systems, um, but wow. you know it's it is labeled as high strength epoxy. But yeah, uh, but yeah, it's 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 a five minute epoxy. Actually, it's more like a four minute epoxy, mm-hmm. <laughs> at least of mine. But um, anyway, it but it you know within an hour it's rock solid. So you know, but that's not just, bad. I don't know if they have a long set of epoxy or not, but um, yeah, just, I need it. The reason that well, you want it to pool and not mm-hmm. run right but not and then but then you don't want it to cure too fast because that stuff could be brittle it can be strong but yeah. i am and our and who cares i'm probably these things will break enough it's redoable right know? but um i don't know it's just using what i have for for mm. this and yeah and just yeah now the external application a little something a little slower so anyway i thought i'd throw that out there mm-hmm. but, uh, anyway what do you say we move on to the fortnightly beer choices all right all right. Well, um, since this is, uh, well, it's now moved into Saturday afternoon, my time, and I have a lot to do today. I've been drinking some great Texas spring water along with a little iced coffee. Ooh, mm. iced coffee sounds delightful. I'm so. not a fan of iced coffee. I don't know what? why. I'll just, straight what? hot black coffee. I mean, I got done with a run yesterday. It, it's, it was, well, no. I'll back this up because the temperature sucks right now. Three days ago, it was 70 degrees, and I got, you know, I was sweaty as shit after a run, and I got in, and I poured myself a cup of hot black coffee, and I drank it. I don't drink cold. I, I you can drink hot coffee any time of year, any heat, any season. Yeah. I, I'm with you on that. Yes. Hot coffee is a universal beverage. I wouldn't drink a black, but it, I understand right. the, the right. benefit of hot coffee. Um, and iced coffee is not a universal beverage. It has to be right the right time, but mm-hmm. when the right time, iced coffee can be wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, I normally uh, I'll have regular coffee in the morning and then uh, if I drink another cup of coffee, usually it's iced coffee in the mm. afternoon. Except in wintertime then it'll be, you know, warm coffee, but yeah, yeah. summertime I, I make know. the switch. Maybe it's just cuz it's black cuz I don't I don't want any milk cream or otherwise in it. I just want coffee, you know. Mm-hmm. So 
that uh, coffee on ice just is a little more bitter than coffee. Understood. Well, so so Sean, what are you drinking then? So I'm I'm drinking my home well water. It, you really? can call it Ohio spring water. It's not a spring. <laughs> it's a well in my backyard. Uh, but it's what comes out of my sink. And uh, that's that's why because we started this around noontime. Yeah, it's a little early. But I will say actually, I picked up on this uh, the store the other day a Founders. Yeah. It's their flamingo fruit punch. Uh, and it's, I think it's a Goza style. It's definitely salty, but it's mm-hmm. just this like, I, I'm a huge fan of the refreshing little bit of little bit of a tang to a to a, a light beer. Hmm. Um, so I've got that in the fridge. I just didn't crack one today. Understood. Understood. Well, cool. Well, you made me look at my uh, the actual um, label on my water, mm-hmm. and I noticed it says enhanced with minerals for better taste. There you go. So yeah, there you my go. minerals come right out of my backyard. Oh, and we're getting <laughs> not, not drink at all, but we're getting our bees next week. So I have a hive in my backyard, and we're getting oh, cool. our, our nuke of bees. Really, really, yeah. beware the murder hornets that are yeah, in you know what? By storm. Not gonna get to me. So yeah, I'm, I know. I heard they're like uh, high elevation. Yep. Uh, insects, so which is great for me. That's so why I live on a flat coast. island. <laughs> yep. Exactly. I'm not quite on an island. I am. I'm probably hundreds of feet above you, but I'm not nearly highland. Yes. You know, about 600 feet elevation. That's not bad. Anyway, so Diami, what are you drinking? Well, what I'm actually drinking is I have an empty 20-ounce cup of coffee in my hand right now. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, that was uh, it was a double shot of espresso, and then the rest of the 20 ounces was filled with regular coffee and uh, a little bit of sugar and whole milk. Mm-hmm. Um, is a nice Sounds way to wake delightful. up. Yeah. It, it is delightful. Um, but uh, what I'm going to choose for my fortnightly beer choice is uh, Secatog is a local brewery that is closed uh, due to COVID-19, as many places are in terms of their tap room. But as with at least most of the local breweries near us, they're doing um, isolated deliveries, but they're doing uh, curbside pickup. So mm-hmm. last Saturday on my way home from work, I stopped by and I picked up um, I picked up a growler and a crowler. And I've not yet had the crowler. It's uh, It might get open tonight. We'll see. But it is um, it's a New England hazy double IPA, and the other one I picked up last week, whose name escapes me, was a uh, a New England IPA. It wasn't it wasn't hazy, but it was mm-hmm. it was fine and pretty good. Um, not quite up to like the premium ones in Vermont, but certainly very good and worth having. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm optimistic about this one. And you can't turn down a a beer where the name of the beer is I will never financially recover from this. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Yep. So um so that that uh. I'll enjoy that at some point over the week. Um, I'm looking forward to it. Second talks, uh, so far from what I've had, they're a good brewery. Good. Understand that. Yeah, I got to do some curbside pickup uh, this afternoon myself. So, well, with that, um, Diami, where can uh, folks find you on the interwebs? I can be found um, cursing on Instagram. <laughs> like you do. Yeah, like you do. Yes. And, um, and, and what might be your handle there on Instagram? On Instagram, I am penultimate woodshop. I am Diami Plotki on Twitter, uh, where I do chat quite a bit, and um, I'm Penultimate Beer on Untapped. So you'll see me uh, check in my financial recovery some at some point. Yes. And, um, of course, you can find me at Barton.com on Instagram, the only social media platform that's filled with ads. <laughs> and, yeah, hey, I'm having a little gripe about Instagram now. I mean, it's just like, uh, at least my feed has just gone ad crazy. It's mm, like There are plenty of ads. Me- is it, it's is getting it ridiculous. Is it fruitless to like mark them and say, I don't want to see this again? And uh, uh, I I've think done that a face- lot. Yeah. And yeah. I'll give them credit that their ads are pretty well targeted. 
Yeah, they I are generally smart. like the things. You know, I'm, I'm gen- I generally have some interest in the ads they're showing me, um, yeah. but still, there's far too many of them. Far yes. too many of them. Yeah, no, we're all going to have to find another media platform one of these well, days to move but, to for another four or five years. Earlier in the episode, I <laughs> talked about having multiple Twitter clients on my phone. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. One of the advantages of using a third-party Twitter client is at least of the three third-party Twitter clients I use, they all remove the ads. Mm. Mm. So I know Twitter has gotten pretty filled with ads. I've never seen a Twitter ad because I don't look at it on Twitter. Mm. Fair. Um, I'll just throw that out there. Okay. Well, with that, uh, Sean, (laughs) where can folks find you? So I'm uh, I'm Sean W78 on most everything, including Untapped. Where I had already checked into the that flamingo fruit fight before, so I had to check me out. Uh, and uh, and yes, Instagram as well, where there's ads. But I keep on finding more and more people to follow, so it's just filling up at this point. I if you look at my stats, I'm sure I follow way more people than follow me, which hmm. is just means I'm a gawker, you know. <laughs> and I don't. I believe I don't the really... term is uh, is uh, online content whore. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I'll admit that. <laughs> and with that, that wraps up this show. How about that? If you haven't already, please subscribe to the show on the podcatcher of your choice. Just search for the Modern Woodworkers Association. Then you'll never miss any of our exciting episodes like this one. While you're there, leave us a review. And uh, thank you for listening. If you like the show, you can go to our website, modernwoodworkersassociation.com. You can follow us on Instagram at MWA underscore podcast or on Twitter at MWA underscore national. And to to give you an insight as to what you might find on those two various social platforms, MWA underscore podcast is mostly going to be postings of the episode. So you'll see when the episodes come out and certainly you'll be able to listen. Uh, MWA underscore national, what we tend to do there, I think I'm the only one who tends to do this, um, is just use it to share interesting woodworking content from other accounts. So I do lots of retweeting there. So um, if you're looking to fill your Twitter stream with nice woodworking stuff, that's a good account to follow. Um, and then uh, beyond that, get in your shop, find you know, the project that you've just been working on and working on and working on. Ben, I'm going to suggest you take one of the ukuleles um, and show it off to somebody and drop it. Because <laughs> um, it's all... It's all tangible. It's all um, it's all finite. It's it's just something you made, and you'll make another one. So uh, don't be too precious about it.